Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Lori Ann from Salt Lake City. And the title of Lori Ann's story is My Kids Divorced Me. Get out, Lori Ann. That's not true. <laughs> yes, actually. And they were teenagers at the time. They weren't even adults yet. So it's, it's been a wild ride. So when did this happen? Because I assume at one point everything was hunky-dory, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was actually single mom and, you know, going to work and raising the kids. And, you know, they were spending time with their dad and stuff, too. So, you know, things were going well, at least I thought. And I had been pretty single, like very, very single for a few years. And, you know, even it got to the point where even the kids were like, you know, hey, mom, why don't you start dating again? It would be great to see you, you know, doing more and and having a life kind of thing. I was like, oh, okay. And I had kind of gotten to that point anyway in my life where it's like, okay, I'm ready to start seeing people and, and moving forward. And it was just a few weeks later that I wound up meeting somebody and that was in February of 2015. And let's see, the kids were... 12 and 15 at the time. And it was, it, it was interesting. It was fun. I, I knew there would be some challenges integrating somebody new into my life, but I didn't expect what happened to happen, basically. So and I'm assuming you're, I'm assuming you were divorced. How, how many years were you divorced or separated from the kid's uh, father? He and I divorced in 2009. So that was what six years, basically. Okay. Yeah. So it was a decent amount of time, um, and yeah. So it was definitely time to move on. I'd done a little dating before, realized I had some patterns in my life, and so I had spent those three years in particular just really focused on doing some inner work, doing some counseling, doing you know like okay. I need to break some patterns and do some healing. And so that previous three years before, you know, 2015 hit, I want to say, uh, I had really been working on myself, knowing that if I really healed those deeper wounds and the trauma and the patterns, I would be able to create a whole different life for myself and my kids, which is really what I wanted. I wanted my kids to see me in a healthy relationship. I wanted things to change in a really positive direction. I wanted to give my kids the life that I didn't have before, right? So I did all of that inner work to be and become a better person. When you were with their father originally before your divorce, were they real, real young when the divorce went through or was there some turmoil in that relationship? Because right now you're saying you wanted to improve yourself. You wanted mm -hmm. to look for this great relationship that you had maybe never had. Did you have that with their father once upon a time? No, he and I, I mean, we were, I was a completely different person when I met him, I would say. 
I grew up in an environment that was not healthy. It was abusive, very dominating and controlling stepfather. And unfortunately, I wound up sort of inadvertently recreating that in my marriage. And so their father was very much dominating and controlling, and it turned abusive before I left the relationship. And so the kids were six and nine when I left that relationship. So it was very much, I wanted them to see what healthy males were like. So I had spent that time after the divorce, making sure I was surrounding myself with healthier people, healthier communities, you know, good role models for all of us, really. And, you know, really making a a conscious choice in who was in our lives. They were still seeing their dad, of course, on the weekends. And it was an interesting pattern because, you know, my house, it was calm. And I really made sure of that. They'd go to their dad's house. I'd get them back and it would take a couple of days to sort of unwind the kids from the chaos at dad's house. And then they would go back again kind of thing. And when my son was nine, he was diagnosed with Asperger's. And so we did have counselors working with us and the kids as well. And through the courts, I actually was able to essentially force their dad into counseling with them to try to help improve that environment for them also. And I was constantly asking the kids counselor, you know, what can I do at my home? What's, you know, what else can I do to help create a better world for my kids, basically? And she kept saying, well, the kids feel safe with you. The kids like being at your house. They enjoy that environment. It's really dad's house that's the problem. And so I heard that over and over and over again for years. Um, And the kids were actually still in counseling in 2015 when things started to fall apart. So there, as far as I know, there wasn't anything I could have done differently up to that point, (laughs) Um, at least that I'm aware of, because I was constantly told you're doing all the right things. The kids feel safe with you. They want to be with you. And there were a number of times, too, when the kids were at their dad's house that I would get a phone call and have to go pick up my son or sometimes both of them because everything hit the fan and I just needed to go pick them up. So I had a lifestyle where it's like, okay, yes, the kids will be at their dad's for a few days, but I don't actually know that most of the time something would happen and I'd go have to drop everything and pick them up. So it was sort of this chaotic life in some ways. Child services were called in more than a couple of times and investigated his household during, you know, after the divorce uh, and and things like that as well. So there was a lot going on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You sound you sound like a very calm, patient person from what I know of you, Lorianne. And what's interesting is growing up, I think most kids actually yearn for a calm, uh, calming influence with, with, with regards to their home that they live in. So where did things start to go wrong? Because the kids love you. They say, mom, we want you to start dating. We want you to be happy. Every time they go to their dads, they end up coming back to your house half the time anyway. 
So where did things start to go wrong? Was it, uh, was it with the guy that you started dating or was it more with the fact that you were maybe giving more attention to somebody else now other than them? Honestly, looking back, I think it was a combination of things that all sort of converged at the same time. Like, I don't think there was any one thing. I want to, sometimes I refer to it sort of as that perfect storm of elements that just blew up because there was the, you know, I had been going through counseling myself. So, and I knew enough about that process to know that as I sort of emerged and got through that, I would be a different person. I would be making decisions differently. And I was. So my kids were in a place of seeing me changing and responding to the world differently. And that I'm sure was confusing for them. Give us an, give us an example of that, if you can. Like, um, and I think I know what you mean. Like if somebody has a routine like, for example, let's say every Wednesday you guys would have dinner together and all of a sudden every Wednesday maybe you're busy. I could see how that could maybe alter things. Were there situations like that where dating Lorianne was maybe a little different than mom Lorianne that they were used to the previous handful of years? There was probably some of that. I mean, most of the time I would only go out on a date if they were at dad's. There were times where my son would come home early from dad's or he just simply wouldn't go that week because that was usually where it was most contentious was between their dad and my son. So there were times that, okay, I would go out on a date or something and and my son would be home. He was certainly old enough at 15 to be there. Um, and so I'm sure there was some of that, he, you know, being 15 and male and having Asperger's and moms kind of responding to the world differently. And it's not just the dating. It meant that I was getting more and more clear about boundaries and holding them more. And as my son at 15 started pushing on them more, he started getting more and more pushback from me and started assuming it was the man in my life whom I started dating that was causing the problem. As opposed to what, what, just for the folks at home and even myself, what are the, because I always hear of people with autism, but not necessarily Asperger's. Mm-hmm. What, what are the symptoms or what, what do people that deal with a child or a teen with Asperger's, what, what type of things do they, are they known for? Right. So it is a spectrum, um, but my Asperger's in particular, some of the key factors are things like, you know, he, he doesn't hear or understand voice tonation. He doesn't see facial expression the same way that anybody else does. And so he also doesn't express those things when he communicates. So he'll come off as having a flat affect. Well, you know, if you study communication, about 95 to 98% of our communication is actually our face and our voice. It's not the words we speak. That's only maybe two to 5% of the actual message that we're sharing. So somebody with Asperger's who doesn't get 95 to 98% of the message being shared, there's a lot of misunderstandings, a lot. Like yeah, so, if, some, so if, someone, <laughs> if someone raises their voice or maybe scowls their face, they're trying to show anger or, or, mm-hmm. or they're unhappy with a situation, 
he doesn't necessarily interpret that as quickly or even in, in the same way as what you're saying. So you're having a conversation right. with somebody and he could, and now does it work in the reverse too, where he could be angry, but he doesn't really show that he's angry. You just kind of know something's amok. Sometimes there can be that very flat affect or he'll come across as really not caring at all when he does like the more subtle, compassionate, empathic emotions that are less obvious will not come through because it, you know, they're not as extreme in, in the communication style. And so he just, he doesn't hear them or see them. And so he doesn't express them. And I, I, it would show up a lot when he was younger too, in that there's also the black and white thinking where it's all or nothing and everything in his mind would be all or nothing in that, you know, when, when little kids play, there would be a disagreement and, you know, normal socialization, you just sort of figure that out and you find a solution and you move on. That's part of growing up. For him, he would have a friend, they'd have a normal disagreement and his assumption would be that person hates me and they'll never like me again, period. And he he actually wound up a bit suicidal when he was nine years old, which is part of why I got him into counseling and got him evaluated and diagnosed because that socialization process was so difficult for him. He actually, because it was difficult and, you know, it would be things like, you know, if, if there's a game being played at school, you know, the teacher would say, okay, here's what the rules are. Well, there's usually some gray area and some fudging and the whole idea is just more to have fun, right? That's right. normal. For him, though, with the black and white, it's like, well, but you said these are the rules. These are the rules. That person isn't following them. And, you know, he would just get really stringent around that. So, so he, had, he had a built-in reason why it, certain things were challenging with relationship-wise. But what about your daughter? She's a little bit younger. Did she have mm -hmm. any type of uh, situation that was making her more challenging? Not in that sense. Her challenge is more that she's uh, very, very compassionate, very, very sensitive and wants to help everybody and always wants to make sure everything's okay. And so when things are upsetting around her, it can be very, very upsetting for her. And she doesn't really know how to manage that. Uh, as well. And so the kids are kind of night and day, they're, you know, reflections of each other in some ways, um, opposite ends. And let, me, let me ask you a question, though. Mm -hmm. So they're night and day. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Because when you brought up your son, I'm thinking, well, the daughter, unless she's dealing with the same stuff is probably completely opposite. So I actually in my head guessed right. So here's my question. If it was just your son, we could kind of understand without getting into the meat and potatoes of the story, because we haven't yet, we could kind of understand how it's you versus him, but he has a situation that makes things more challenging. Your daughter's the wild card, though, to me, because your daughter sounds kind of down to earth. I've met a lot of people, both women and men, that do like to help others, but they don't always necessarily know how to get that done, and it gets them frustrated. So here's my question to you. We have about two minutes before the break. Was she right in some cases? Were you dating some guys that maybe came across as jerks or not as good, not good enough for mommy? And I'll let you have the mic. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. My son had a much 
more challenging issue with that particular person in 2015 than my daughter did. She was actually, you know, there, there were challenges. There were some little conflicts. I thought we were working through them though. And I assumed there would be, you know, trying to get to know anybody and integrate somebody new into a family unit. There's going to be things that come up. And, but, but she enjoyed spending time with us you know, and at least from what I could tell, and I would check in with her as often as I could when it was just her and I and, and try to find out more. But when it was just her and I hanging out with that particular person, we would have fun. Okay. Uh, and if it was just me and my son, we would have fun as long as that other person wasn't around. Uh, so the dynamics were different depending on which child was with me. Um, and unfortunately, my ex-husband had, I, don't, I think it was unconscious, but there was a dynamic where the kids were sort of set up to compete with each other as well. And so when it was me and the kids, sometimes those dynamics would come into play, which made it that much more difficult for another person to be a part of the family unit. So let's, the, let's, let's take a pause. A <laughs> Let, let's take, yeah. let's, let's take a pause right there. We're going to take a quick break. I know sometimes we live in a be careful what you wish for world, right? <laughs> we want our parents to be happy, but then all of a sudden we meet who the parents are becoming happy with. And sometimes we're not happy with that. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be right back with Lori Ann's My Kids Divorced Me story. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? 
It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. And we're back! Oh my goodness, Laurieann, I'm so excited about this story because this is one of those stories that, let's be honest, even if it didn't affect you, the whole story title, My Kids Divorced Me, that's pretty, that's pretty hardcore. I, I've got two adult kids and I've gone through years of estrangement with my son at one time and I've gone through rocky relationships with my daughter, but you know, we came out the other side and we're working on things. In your case, I'm, I'm hoping that you are still contacting the kids in some way, shape, or form. But before we went to break, uh, you were starting to date. Both your son and daughter are starting to have some issues with you. They're getting a little bit older. I'll give the uh, mic back to you. <laughs> yeah, so it was 2015. The kids were 12 and 15 at the time. And, you know, I, I met somebody and, you know, of course, when you're first starting to get to know somebody, what I had wanted to do was just keep that relationship a bit separate so that I could get to know that person a little bit and then decide if it made sense to introduce him to the kids. Well, in this situation, it played out very differently because I met him in our spiritual community and I was bringing my kids each week to that community with me. And so it was kind of an all at once sort of thing. So from the beginning, everything played out very, very differently. And as I mentioned, of course, I was at a period where I was, you know, coming out of counseling and responding to the world a little bit differently, holding healthier boundaries, which at 15, my son was wanting to push on constantly and he was getting pushed back. So, our, our relationship was shifting and at 15, I'm sure there was a little bit of a jealousy factor having this new man in my life. Definitely. What's, what's, what, 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 what's a spiritual community, though? Because when some people hear that, like me, I'm thinking, okay, that's probably a faith-based, uh, mm -hmm. posi positive thing. But then other people might think, oh, my God, that sounds a little cult. <laughs> what, 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 no. what is a spiritual community, if, if you... Or at least well, we, yeah, we, we, it was at a church. We call it that because the, it's a new thought center. Um, you can look those up. They're all across the nation. The fundamental philosophy is that all paths lead to God, basically. Um, so as long as what you believe is making you a, a better person, a wiser person, a more accepting person, then we welcome it, whatever you call it, whatever it looks like. And those are the conversations we would have each week is, okay, what does it look like and mean? Um, so it was, it was, it's a very positive experience. Uh, and it's one of the only churches I've ever gone to where sitting down with the reverend, he's like, yeah, ask me any question you want and we'll have conversations because we won't tell you what to think. We'll help you learn how to think so that you can find your way in a positive way. Um, so I have always encouraged my kids to think for themselves. So that was something that particular aspect was very attractive to me. Um, it's like, yes, ask questions. So that's where I met um, that particular person. And so, it, like I said, the dynamics were just completely different from the beginning. Uh, and so, as I got to know him and the kids got to know him, it was all unfolding sort of at the same time. Um, 
and I'm sure I made mistakes. I know I did because I, I didn't know how to handle everything that came up. You know, my daughter at 12 years old is moving into the preteen phase. So, you know, we all know girls at that age, it gets confusing and interesting and they're pulling away. My son's at an age where he's pulling away a bit and the hormones are kicking in. And, you know, the kids and I had been very close up to that point. And so there's the natural pulling away anyway, this new person in my life. I'm trying to figure out who I am. They're trying to figure out who I am. And this person in my life is adding his own elements to it as well, which is normal. Can't, let's you give know? him. Let's give him a. Let's give him a fake name. Let's call him Bob. Okay. <laughs> All just, right. Uh, just Bob. so we have a name. There we go. Okay. Just so we. Just so. Just so we have a, a name. So is Bob charming to you? But does he come across as fake to the kids? Do the kids have a radar that's going off, or did they never really give Bob a chance? Um, Bob was very different in terms of, you know, compared to other men I had dated. And at the time, that was a really positive thing in my life. Okay. Uh, But he did have very strong boundaries around certain behaviors that were very different from what the kids were used to. And it was a combination of things because their dad was also constantly, I mean, from the time we got divorced all the way through constantly telling the kids that I'm manipulative, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And those messages increased. And I'm aware of them because there were times when, you know, my son was on the phone, dad would be going off about something and my son would put it on speaker and I would hear the whole thing firsthand, you know, so it's not like the kids were relaying it to me. So like was, I was, was hearing it. So was there, was there a dad who's obviously your ex-husband? Was mm-hmm. he was he kind of a jealous type where he would basically say your mom is picking these random men or these men that she's dating over you? Was he kind of playing? Was he playing that type of role? I don't know about that for sure. What I do know is that come about August, um, things I thought were going well. There were some normal challenges, but, you know, it's like, okay, let's see what's possible. So Bob and I agreed to take the kids camping for a weekend and just kind of see if we could really sort of meld things together. We'd been doing family activities occasionally, and they'd been going okay. Um, so we, we took the kids camping, and that's where things really blew up. My son didn't want to go, um, but it was like, well, you're not staying home. You're 15. We're going to be gone for several days. And, you know, I'm not sending you to your dad's house. It's our time together. So I felt it was appropriate to say, look, you're 15. You're coming with us. You can choose to be miserable or you can choose to find a way to enjoy it, but you're coming along. (laughs) So um, we took the kids. We went camping. The kids each had their own tent in their own space. And we thought, okay, this will be fun. Um, One of the days camping, my daughter came up from the shoreline. It was at a lake and was very upset. I asked her what was going on. And she was like, oh, my brother was throwing rocks at me. I'm like, okay, this isn't all right. So I went down to talk to my son And as I approached him, he scooped up some rocks off the ground and 
threw them at me. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Nope, not happening. And he was trying to walk away. So I stopped him and he turned around and cocked his arm back with his fist uh, threatening me. Time out, Lori. I, I, mm-hmm. I have to ask you this. Some people, when they throw rocks, it's like they're throwing them as if to say, get away from me, but they're not necessarily trying to hit you. Was he whizzing these out? And if they would have hit you or your daughter, would, would it have been some pretty serious damage? Um, I don't know as far as my daughter was concerned because I wasn't there. They had been down, you know, hanging out by themselves. As far as with me, it was more like he scooped them off, off the ground and sort of tossed in my direction, but they were high enough that they were, you know, kind of at my face and chest kind right. of thing. And it's like, okay, so he wasn't like, baseball throwing him at me or anything, but it's still not appropriate. There was a message behind him doing that, that it's like, no, this, this is not correct behavior. You're 15 years old, you know, better, you know, we can have a conversation. And then, you know, and I knew he knew better because he immediately got up and started walking away. And it's like, no, we need to talk about what's going on here. This isn't acceptable. And so when I stopped him, And he, you know, I hadn't said a word yet, but he turned around and cocked his hand back to, you know, threaten to hit me. And having been in that same situation with his dad at one point years before, I knew that with that type of threat from a bully, I needed to stare him down and not back down. So that's what I did. Um, I stood there toe-to-toe with my son, who at that stage of 15 was several inches taller than me, and the sports he'd been playing, he was far stronger than I was at that point um, already. But I stared him down, he dropped his arm, and wound up just walking away at that point, because I, (laughs) being threatened didn't sit well, and I just, I was angry and shaking by the time he walked away. So I'm like, okay, before I handle this, I need to go for a walk and calm myself down. So that's what I did. Um, in trying to address that, I don't know if the message ever really got across at just how inappropriate that behavior was. But I do know that the next morning, things seemed okay. My son joined us at breakfast and even made pancakes for us and things like that. So I thought, okay, maybe it's sort of his way of apologizing. Did did you hold this fact secret from Bob? Yes, I did at that point because it was, I, I decided it was between me and the kids And there were certain things, it's like, okay, I've only known him for six months. There are certain things as their mother that are mine to handle. And I didn't want him to feel like he needed to protect me or intervene in some way, because that's a different dynamic. So at that stage, I did. I figured I would let him know later, Um, but that, you know, I, I just needed to deal with my kids. So it was... You know, like I said, the next morning, my son was making breakfast. Later that day, we were breaking camp and cleaning up. And I don't know why my son was upset at that stage, but he was. Um, Oh, yes, I do actually remember. 
a little bit earlier, we had gone kayaking and it wound up being me, Bob, and my daughter. We had invited my son along several times. He chose not to join us. He's like, okay, hey, no problem. But as we were getting in the kayaks, my son was up on kind of the grassy line and stays, you know, in that grass, it was like six inches off what would be the beach, but the beach was all rock. It wasn't a sandy beach at all. It was all rock and, and tree stumps. And my son was standing on that, you know, six inch ledge and it's like, hey, mom, I want to show you my flip from parkour. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't the right place. Because I'm like, if you do it wrong on the rocks, that's a problem. Yeah, and you're I'm probably like, out You're probably out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, right? So, oh, yeah. yeah. This is, you know, up in the national forest at a lake. This is not, you know. So I'm like, you know what? I do want to see you do a flip, but not here and not right now. This isn't the right time or place. And he was like, but mom, I really want to show you. And I said, no not right now. This isn't the right place. There's the rocks. I explained it to him. And he was like, but mom, I really want to show you. And that's when Bob was like, hey, did you hear your mom say no? Uh Uh-oh. And I knew he was trying to back me up, but the look on my son's face, if somebody's face can go black with anger, his did. It was just a complete shift. And then he turned around and walked off into the woods. So the fact that Bob was trying to back me up on one hand is appropriate. On the other hand, that was a trigger for my son. Um, So when we were cleaning up to break camp and all of those things, my son was upset and he would bring something over, you know, fold up some, you know, his sleeping bag or something, bring it over and throw it down and it would be a mess. And I would say, no, come back do it correctly. And he kept doing this. He brought over a tarp that was kind of half folded. He threw it down. It's like, no, come back, do it correctly. And, you know, I figure, hey, we'll just do it this way all day long, you know, until you figure out you do it right the first time and we're fine. You know, so he's just doing his thing. Uh, And at one point, one of the tarps was too big. So it's like, okay, well, why don't we fold it together? So my son and I were folding the tarp together and he's mumbling under his breath. And Bob made a comment about, you know, look, this behavior is getting old and, you know, I, I can't totally remember what the comment was, but he commented about my son's behavior. And I heard my son under his breath say, if he doesn't shut up, I'm going to kill him. Oh, Wow. And before I could say anything, my son had dropped the tarp and was toe-to-toe with Bob. And it was one of those moments that lasted probably a split second, but I did an entire checklist in my head because I look over, my son and Bob are toe-to-toe, and my daughter's six inches from them with a tree to her back and on one side and the truck on the other. So essentially, my daughter's trapped with these two ready to spring at each other. And it's like, okay, do I get in between the two males? And if I do that, it's either going to go badly or I'll always be in between them somehow. Or do I grab my daughter or do I, you know, let it, what? So I went through the whole checklist instantaneously and wound up just grabbing my daughter, getting her out of the way. I saw my son headbutt Bob and start the fight and watching the two of them just keeping me and my daughter out of the way. Um, 
I could tell by the look on my son's face and the way that he was going after Bob, he really did want to do damage. Bob was really just doing everything he could to pin my son down and get it to stop. I did see him kind of cock back once and stop himself and then just pin my son down. Bob actually did wind up with physical injuries from that between a fat lip and he had actually burned his arm a bit before we went camping. All of the bandage, all of the, um, the, you know, all of the healing that he'd been doing, you know, his arm was just a horrible mess uh, from that. My son did not have any injuries at all. This This must just be for everyone, including your daughter. This must just be the most shocking, horrible situation. We're gonna we're, we're gonna <laughs> yes. we're gonna we're gonna take a brief pause, and then when we get back, we'll probably hear a little bit about the divorce and stuff. So we'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your business plan working out? Could it use improvement? A lot of companies don't even examine their business plans, let alone review and revise it on a regular basis. Tune in to Let's Talk Business with Phaedra. Host Phaedra Hanks has years of experience helping businesses with their strategic planning. Now she's ready to bring you the tips to business success from startup to success. Tune in Fridays at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. 
Lorianne, I'm really stunned. I got to be honest with you because, you know, you don't really think of a 15-year-old going off and hitting a, a grown man. And then the grown man's really in a tough spot because he's there in front of, you know, your daughter and you. I, um, I suffer from magic word syndrome. I've had so many relationships, you know, that have come to an end or what have you. And sometimes we think back, I wonder if there was some sort of magical words that I could say or something I could have done different. And I'm sure there's a piece of you that wishes you guys would have never went camping that day. But one of the things that I'm pretty sure of is that if it didn't happen then, it would have happened later. So as of right now, before we went on break, they're wailing. Your, your son is starting to headbutt and wail on Bob. And then I assume what, what, what ultimately stopped the, the fight? Um, Bob was able to pin my son down until he essentially gave in. Uh, and, you know, went limp, basically, and agreed to stop. So, you know, at that point, my, of course, my daughter and I are sort of like, what do we do? We're sort of traumatized. So, I actually, my son wandered off into the woods for a little while to calm down. My daughter and I went for a walk to calm down. And then I came back and, and helped Bob with, with his injuries a little bit. When we got back to town, I decided that whatever else was going on, my son could not stay at my home. Um, he had threatened me that weekend. He had, you know, been not listening to my daughter and her wishes when he was throwing rocks and having started a physical fight with somebody else. I couldn't have somebody in my home who was willing to be volatile and disrespectful. So I let is dad that, know. Is that mm -hmm. a little is that a little harsh though? And the reason I say this is because when he had gone to his dad's many times he couldn't even make it through the weekend, right? So it's not like dad is going to be a good option. So you actually were the, the the this was a catalytic moment, but you actually were the one that said you've got to go. There was no this is a warning. I I would think that that would as horrible as that would be, I would think you would at least contemplate a warning. What made you decide against a, a warning and, and go just with you got to go? There were several factors in that. Um, my, we were living with my mom at the time who has a head injury and my son had been showing disrespect and somewhat aggressive behavior toward her uh, for weeks and, and even months on and off up to that point. So there was already a behavior pattern established that my son being 15 with the hormones was becoming more and more aggressive, especially towards the women around him. Uh, and the fact that he was now willing to physically threaten me, even though I stood up to him and he backed down, there's, you know, at 15, that's the beginning. That's, there's, it's going to get worse from there, essentially. I did also actually at that point, I was still in touch with my legal counsel who'd helped me through, other, through the divorce and through other situations with their dad, as well as the kids' counselors, and I had consulted them as well. My legal counsel did say, look, you have to make a decision here. Uh, and so I did for my safety, for my daughter's safety, for my mom's safety. Bob was not living with us yet. Uh, and so it was, you know, I had to make a decision for the three women in my son's life. My ex-husband, their dad, was at least big enough uh, and strong enough to handle 
that physical aspect, whereas I could not physically. No, it wasn't ideal, but from a physical standpoint, my ex-husband had calmed down a bit. He was dating somebody. There was a woman in his life they were living with when they were at dad's house. And so things had calmed down a bit. By then, it wasn't ideal, but it was heading in the right direction. And so with her in the household and other factors, you know, I just, I, I couldn't have him at my house. When I did send him back to dad's, it was like, look, you're going to dad's until we have a behavior plan in place and you can agree to certain things so that we can begin to work things out. It wasn't like, hey, you're just gone forever. It was go to dad's until we can work this out and integrate you back in was really my plan. And I let him know that. I wrote out what I had wanted to be a behavior plan. I wrote out why it mattered to me. And the response I got first from my ex-husband was that I had a victim complex in seeing that any of this was even an issue. Then within two weeks, the kids were using the same words that I had a victim complex. So rather than backing me up and saying, you know, this was not okay to threaten your mom and it's not okay to start a fight, the kids are now told that, well, you didn't do anything wrong. Your mom has a victim complex. When I did talk to my son a little bit later, he had torn apart the behavior plan, told me that I was the problem and that he had consulted with his other 15 and 16-year-old friends who agreed with him that it was completely appropriate to have started the fight with Bob in the first place and, and Bob was the one who was wrong. So, from there, it kept getting worse. The kids, with their dad's help, actually did file paperwork with the courts to take my parenting rights away. Um, at one point, my son actually ran away from uh, dad's house. I received a copy of the note he left behind in which my son complained about dad's behavior but at the end of it, my son also bragged about how manipulative he can be, and so dad better watch his back. So again, there's that threat and the bragging about manipulation. And I knew, based on comments that my former in-laws were making to me at that stage about the kids feel like you're abandoning them. I'm like, okay, there's stories going on here that are not making sense. And I knew my son was behind sort of making those up. I also have screenshots of text messages from another friend of mine who was trying to communicate with my son and sort of be a mentor to him and talk about what it means to be a good man and those kinds of things. And one of my son's comments was, and it stands out to me, I remember it verbatim, he said, you know, I know what it means to be a good man and I like who I'm being instead. Oh, wow. So my, my son was very conscious of this. So the court process went on for a year. My kids being at that point, 13 and 16 now, uh, were appointed a representative by the courts. So they had a lawyer. My ex-husband did not, although he was part of the process because he would wind up with the rights. And I had my attorney. 
So, in so Lori, is it considered yeah. is it considered divorce, or was it more just him going for full custody? The way the paperwork was written, it was more my kids wanted me out of their life, and he was helping them sort of find an excuse and would wind up be the being the guardian parent. Gotcha. So it was kind of a combination of things, but it was, you know, the courts were trying to figure out what do the kids want and what's right for the kids. It wasn't, okay, well, dad started this. It was what's going on with the kids. And I use the word divorce because it did go through the courts. It wasn't like we all decided it was a court process. So towards the end of that process, so in the fall of 2016, um, I did wind up sitting down with the kid's attorney, my attorney and me. And the kid's attorney was like, look, I've seen over a thousand cases. I've pretty much seen every different scenario you can think of, said, including things similar to what this is. He said, what stands out to him in this is that, um, you know, having sat with my kids on more than one occasion to kind of watch them, hear from them, find out what, you know, because he's representing them, right? He said, what became obvious to him he said, you know, at, at 15 and 16, we don't diagnose because it could be hormones. It could be emotional. It could be something he outgrows. It could be all kinds of different things. He said, but your son is showing sociopathic behaviors. He's taking glee in the fact that you're hurting in this process. And he's very clear that he is the one manipulating it. And he's, he's taking some pride in the fact that his stories are being believed. Um, and at that point, that wasn't a shock for me to hear. Like I said, I'd had evidence of that all along, um, but it was very disappointing and, and hurt. So I knew, you know, and he let me know, the attorney did. He's like, there is no way you're connecting with your son right now. He said, your daughter has been desperate enough to want a relationship with her dad and her brother for so long that she's going along with that. And both dad and brother are manipulating her. And being 13, she is completely unaware that she's being manipulated. He said, you might have a shot if you do counseling with her. That's pretty, you know, at least weekly, if not a couple of times a week. And you would have to pay for the whole thing and all of that. And I said, you know what? I will do anything it takes on one condition. At 13, she needs to agree to work with me. I will not force her. I mean, you can't really force a 13-year-old to show up at counseling and actually interact anyway. So it's like, you know, I need to know she at least wants to be there and I'll do anything it takes. Um, that's where we left that conversation. Within a week, my daughter let me know she did not want a relationship with me. Uh, and that, so that, that must have just been like a knife to the back or, or to the heart, right? I mean, that just had to oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it was devastating. I, I would say it took me, a. It, I remember the moment in, I think it was like January of 2019, when I woke up one morning and finally felt a sort of energetic shift in my body that went, oh, okay, I'm, I'm now past that stage of grief. I can begin moving forward and rebuilding my life now. But from the fall of 2016 until that moment in January, it's like, yeah, I was doing stuff day to day, 
but emotionally and energetically, I felt like I was at a standstill because of the depth of the grief. I mean, I had I'd been a single mom. I had wrapped my entire world around what do my kids need first. I'd been advocating with the schools on my son's behalf since he entered school, which they didn't they didn't acknowledge the IEP. They didn't acknowledge that he had challenges that were unique. So that was an ongoing challenge. Lori, I, Lori, I can't, I, I, I can't get over the fact that ultimately your son and daughter wanted you to find someone new. Sounds like you found someone new that made you feel special, or at least you know filled a void for you at the time, right? And mm-hmm. then, all, and then all of a sudden, you know, you end up losing kind of everything because I assume your kids were your life, you know. Is, 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 is what do you envision if you had to look into your crystal ball? Do you envision a time when maybe one day you're not expecting it and the phone rings and because they're getting close to adulthood, right? Any day now, <laughs> the young one's going to be an adult as far as age. I mean, actually, the youngest just turned 18 in May. So they are both officially adults now. Um, so my my best guess I'm hoping, of course, I'm hoping it comes full circle. I'm hoping we have the chance at least for some closure and conversation. In my ideal world, of course, I would love to be, you know, at least friends with my kids, you know, whatever. I, I would love that relationship. With my son's Asperger's, knowing that he's behind the manipulations and the stories and the lies, him coming around would be, you know, he would have to admit that he did this. He would have to admit, and if there's going to be a relationship, he would need to take responsibility for his part in it. I know we all made mistakes. I want to work through those things. But he did have a very conscious hand in deliberate harm. And for me to have a relationship with any human being who has done something like that, I would need to know they've taken responsibility and are working on making amends as much as they would want me to make amends, right, for whatever my mistakes have been. If you, so, if, 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 if you could tell anything to maybe your daughter and, and maybe even both your daughter and your son, but specifically your daughter, because she has never done anything violent to you or, or, or yeah. anybody that you've been with, I assume. Would, would there be anything that you would maybe want to tell her? You've got two minutes left. I mean, if, if you did want to reconnect with her, what, what would you say if maybe she was in the room with you? I would just let her know that I love her. Um, I know for her to have been manipulated, for her to come back around, she's going to have to see her dad and her brother for who they really are. And that's an emotionally difficult journey. She's going to have to be far enough into her adult life to be living on her own to begin that journey. But for the most part, I would just, I want both of my kids to know that despite everything, I never stopped loving them. I have always loved them. I want a relationship with them. I want to find a way to work things out. And I do believe that anything is figure outable if we take responsibility and are each willing to do the work that we need to do for ourselves and with each other. 
And there is a huge part of me that would love nothing more than it, you know, at least hear my side of the story and then decide if you want to forgive me or not, you know, but at least because the kids, there's nobody in the family who has heard my side of the story. Um, The stories that my son told are the only ones that anybody believes as far as the family goes. Uh, And that alone is hurtful. So, you know, at least hear my side of it and then decide what you want to think of me. <laughs> you know, Lori, I just I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're open minded to ultimately one day having some sort of reconciliation with both of your kids. You know, I think uh, I think it would be a shame considering how young they are and how young you are. If you guys did go the next 50 or 60 years without that reconciliation and maybe even a relationship, because, you know, someday those kids might end up having grandbabies for you, right? And uh, I know that uh, obviously that's something that you'd like to be a part of. I want to thank you for, for having the courage and the bravery to share your story on Jesse Jameson and Friends. And I want to let everyone out there know that we'll be back again next week with another story. But Lori, will you come on again in the future maybe and share another story with us? We, we enjoy when you come on. Absolutely. What I love being on and I'm, I'm love chatting with you, Jesse, anytime. Well, that's awesome. So we'll see you guys again next week. Thank you so much for listening to Jesse Jameson and friends. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.